Welcome to the MoGraph Mentor Podcast. My name is Michael Jones. I am your host. In this podcast series, we are talking to artists of all disciplines, seeking any relevant insight into the technical, artistic, or professional aspects of working in this industry. For more information about MoGraph Mentor, check out MoGraphMentor.com. Welcome to the MoGraph Mentor Podcast. Today we are talking to the wonderful Sakani Solomon. Sakani is a motion designer living and working in beautiful New York, hailing originally from Trinidad and Tobago. His passion for design led him to SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, an excellent school where he attained a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Motion Media Design. After graduation, he took a position doing design and animation at Imaginary Forces. He is an extremely talented visual artist and animator. I love his work. I, you know, I pleaded with him to come be a mentor at MoGraph Mentor to steal his uh, wonderful brain for the program. Uh, he's passionate about working with aspiring motion designers. Uh, as I said, is currently mentoring in MoGraph Mentor, working with students, helping them to develop their own skills in design, animation, and overall direction. So Sakani, thank you for taking some time to chat today. Dude, absolutely no problem. I'm, I'm pretty happy to have the opportunity to talk to you about, uh, you know, what I do and the passion that I have that I put into my work. And, you know, I'm just happy that you're actually curious to get to know more about me. So, you know. Love it. Yeah. Here, here we are. Yeah. I mean, start with that. Let's let's get a little bit of your background, your life growing up, where you're from. Give us some of your background. So I'm originally from uh, Trinidad and Tobago. And for those who don't know, that's a twin island republic. Um, it's the last two islands in the Caribbean chain. We have a population of maybe 1.3 million. And I grew up in Tobago, which is a smaller island that has a population of 50,000 people. Whoa. Okay. So, yeah, yeah very, uh, very yeah. humble beginnings. And, you know, one thing about my parents, they wanted to make sure that we were exposed to the world from a very young age. So they bought us, like, when I was maybe 9, 10, I had a computer in my house. And, you know, ever since I can remember, I've been, like, making stuff. Like, a lot of the times, and I used to watch a lot of Batman when I was a kid, so I'd, like, use cardboard and tape, and I would make these little toys. And I felt like as I began to grow up, you know, my interest in art just kind of matured. Um, so I remember um, looking online, I saw people doing, like, like comics, like drawing mm. digitally, and, I, you know, I, I was really interested in how people were doing that. So I remember downloading Photoshop maybe when I was 12, 15. Okay. And I was like, whoa, this is, <laughs> what's going on here? And I completely, I was absolutely terrible at it, you know. But, you know, I still tried. I still made a couple things. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really <laughs> that good initially. And, you know, at school, our culture is really based on arts and sciences and my art program in my high school wasn't that great. So by the time I was 15, I completely just did not do any type of art. I was, you know, I was all about science. I was doing, mm. um, I was doing programming. I was doing computer science because that's what I wanted to do. And then when I was uh, like 18, my, one of my teachers at school, he was like, Mr. Batiste, he was like, um, you know, we, we're developing a new school website. Do you want to help out? So I was like, you know, sure. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, I used to use Photoshop way back when. Maybe I could jump in and pick it up. And I did. And then at that point, they had so many more resources. And I was like, whoa, yeah, people are doing amazing stuff. And, 
from then it just kind of became an obsession you know I, I just started making all these edits I used to take pictures of myself and like edit all these crazy images and yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I was learning compositing and I did mm. not know exactly what I was doing but you know you, you there was no fundamentals you were going based on. There was no theory. You were just kind of doing it based yeah. on what looks right. And, you know, eventually I started like, you know, there's such a nice online community. And I started interacting with, you know, different artists, even locally within Trinidad and Tobago. I you know, really helped me to spur my excitement and my enthusiasm for the craft. I know I had some like really, um, cool guys, some really talented guys back in Trinidad. Um, Nicholas Maxwell, he's one. Kristen Brathwaite, he's another one. Mm. That really kind of mentored me when I was like 19, 20, because I always made stuff. Nice. And then by, by the time I wanted to look for colleges, you know, I was trying to study uh, computer science at the time. And, you know, then my college search was so weird because I started off looking for computer science. Then it was computer science. Mm. Then um graphic design then it was just graphic design mm. so like a complete 180 and you know i just happened to stumble upon scad's page and i was like is this place even real <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know coming you know from where i'm from i, I there's like there's not a lot of people doing things in the creative field you know a lot for some people even when i go back home it's still a a mystery what I do it's always like so you're still doing that computer graphics yeah thing you know there's so much mystery around that yep so um everyone thinks it's like Pixar oh you do animation oh you like make Pixar films <laughs> no <laughs> yeah no that yeah exactly like I always have to cite those type of examples to kind of get them within the ballpark and then yeah. like I have to explain that's not quite it not quite it close yeah but <laughs> Yeah, tell me, tell me about your time at SCAD. Yeah, so, um, you know, I applied for SCAD, I, I got in. And at that point, my parents backed me 100%. It's like, you know, they believed in my talents. And I was grateful enough to have parents that supported me in my artistic mm. endeavors. And, yeah. you know, I felt like that was half the reason why I wanted to work really hard you know, when I was in school. I know, I in my mind, I was like, I'm coming to America and I'm going to be in school and I'm going to be there with all these amazing, talented, beastly people that yeah. are just, you know. So at that point, I was just doing work like crazy to get better because I felt like, you know, I had to compete. But by the time I got mm -hmm. there, I realized that in my freshman year, lots of people have never really even popped in Photoshop before. Yeah. And I realized at that point, because I was so, I guess, um, worried, you know, if that I may not be up to standard with, you know, people in the States that I was actually a little bit more advanced. And, you know, I think it was a combination of me being very enthusiastic about my work and you know, just wanting to be good. That really helped me out while I was in SCAD. You know, for example, yeah. my freshman year, um, for spring break, I actually opted to stay back at school and I created this, animation animated sequence it was a promo for a tutorial a photoshop tutorial i had done i was writing photoshop tutorials then and you know we had a school motion graphics competition and i think i ended up coming second um in the entire school 
in the 3D uh, category in my freshman year because, you know, I just stayed back that spring break and decided to learn more cinema 4D and do that type of thing. And, you know, from there, I, I just kind of kept up the same work ethic. Um, by the time I left SCAD, I had four internships under my belt. Mm. You know, I had worked with Gentleman Scholar, Loyal Casper, the Mill and Imaginary Forces. And, you know, when I went to Imaginary, I was... I was like, this place is fantastic. The the talents, the people there, you know, I felt like this was definitely the place for me. And, you know, that's kind of what happened and the rest <laughs> is history, I guess. Wow. Yeah, that work ethic. I mean, even in MoGraph Mentor, and you've probably already seen this now in a couple of semesters, the people who do have that intense passion to get better and learn and do it all the time uh, and want to make it perfect, they just outpace everybody almost immediately because yeah, it's yeah. such a separator um, when there are so many resources available, when the information is so easy to find. Yeah, I think that difference maker is um, that? is that passion and that that sort yeah. of burning burning desire that you're not just, yeah, that you were really going after it. So it's cool to hear that was part of your experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I could just, you know, say one thing is what's important about school is that it teaches you like the theory and the fundamental aspects mm -hmm. but it's kind of up to you to learn the technical aspects on the software and be proficient in that yeah and you know that's again takes that enthusiasm and the passion for the work that you're doing yeah tell me a little bit about your time with imaginary forces now so you've graduated school you're kind of working full-time how's the experience been of you know so sure. you know imaginary Forces. what i know about them is like they do incredible work it's broadcast title design all the way to like TV ads. Like it seems like the studio does a ton of different things. Yeah, you know, my they did not hesitate me to just throw me in. <laughs> okay, yeah, they were like, "Here, work on this." <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I think when I interned, they they put me on this Microsoft pitch, and it was very, it was challenging because it was so minimal. Mm. We only had colored squares to work with mm. and the requirement was to do so many things with these squares that um you know it became a challenge and i think that's kind of what summarizes imaginary forces where you have to think a lot they you know they encourage us to think like designers and like what makes our work stand out is the thoughts and quality that we bring for every project you know which is the fundamental of design and that's what kind of drew me to it because drew me to imaginary because you know, it's a studio full of thinkers. Um, you know, mm. I could I could call names Jeremy Cox or directors Dan Gregoras. Yeah, such um, good work. Amazing, yeah, amazing producer John Hassel or fearless leader. You know, really good leadership from the top. I think, and you know, we 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 have been blessed to work on a lot of um, high profile projects. You know, like you know, I got the chance to work for the Dolby pre-show, which. Dolby has these new premium format cinemas that um, play in states. So it's actually my favorite theater in New York. And we've done the pre-show. So every time a movie plays, our animation plays before it. So, you know, it's a good feeling when you go to the theater and you see it work. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Well, um, okay. How are you liking uh, living in the States, living in New York? Is it too cold for you? Is it a huge <laughs> shift from what, from what you grew up in? Oh, de definitely. Yeah, uh, I mean the winters are tough in the Northeast. <laughs> yes, it, long and long and cold. Lo very long and cold. It's like <laughs> it's it's cold. It's more 
it's cold alone in the air than it is warm and that was something yeah. I, I definitely had to get used to yeah i imagine your upbringing it was obviously very tropical and are were you into surfing like what was your <laughs> <laughs> does everyone who lives on an island uh surf constantly that's what i'm you envisioning know, in my mind it's it's ironic that i picked up um the hobby of skimboarding which is kind of like shallow oh yeah 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 I, I picked that up when i was in america okay <laughs> when I was. yeah yeah so now i'm just kind of thinking back to all the years lost um yeah. but i actually picked up snowboarding since it's so cold oh right on so, nice yeah Fun, fun times there. Yeah, you know, if it's going to be cold, might as well utilize the, the temperature. So yes, indeed. You know, do something. Indeed. Do something. So you are, um, you know, I contacted you. I, I saw your portfolio. Who turned me? So I think Ryan. I was, yeah. I was asking Ryan. I was like, man, we really need more instructors. We're getting all these applications, and he's like, you got to look at this guy, Sakani Solomon. His work's so good. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, checked out your portfolio. And, and alas, yes, it's just so, so awesome. You were so gracious to uh, be willing to jump in and, and work in MoGraph Mentor, uh, where, as I said, we're just trying to work with people on some of that critical thinking stuff that you kind of spoke to that can be open. So we start with these briefs, and it's kind of organic, and they're just trying to do all this process and development and solve problems, and the mentor's there to really kind of foster their thoughts and almost like guide rails trying to guide them through that process yeah. um, tell me a little bit about your experience mentoring um these these aspiring artists and how you found the format of of online interactions like this you know since i've started more graph mentor it's been it's been really it's been way more of a fulfilling experience than i thought it would have been honestly um mm. you know i've like my first class, you know, I've had some students you know, who, for one, was just so curious and so enthusiastic about learning. Yeah. I know every time I would do a session, you know, they brought so much energy and so much passion to some of the projects that they put forth. But not only that, you know, some of them were actually going through some really hard times and actually made sacrifices mm -hmm. to take the class. And also, like, the reasoning some of the students wanted to take the class was like, wanted to provide better lives for their families or you yeah. know they want to better this quality of life you know yep. the fact that learning a talent like this could or being able to mentor someone that could potentially change their lives for me you know just having that opportunity was you know great and you know it's i think it also helps me in direction um yeah. you know in direction yeah and you know actually helps me to be a better thinker, better designer, because I have to help troubleshoot or, you know, help someone else better their way of thinking, better their way of design. And that helps me to take a look at what I'm doing and kind of analyze what I'm doing. And, you know, can I, can I for one, get a sense of what I'm doing and then being able to pass that on to someone else? Yeah. So it kind of helps me to reflect on where I am and you know, what I've been doing, as well as passing that on to students as well. Yeah. I mean, in your role as the mentor, you're almost the art director, creative director on each of these projects. And it really does force you to clarify your thoughts down into sort of actionable information. Here's what's good. Here's what's bad. Here's, you know, trying to frame it in a way that helps them. So, yeah, I think it probably is very good um, experience in terms of, of being a director. Yeah. And it's one thing I always stress is design first. Yeah. And it's one thing you don't, no one tells you when you're looking at tutorials. No one tells mm -hmm. you. Um, 
you know, that kind of goes to the Austin Shaw book, Designing for Motion. I think we spoke a little bit about that design first mentality. Exactly. The very first day of class, I pulled out my copy and I was like, please get this book. It says <laughs> We need to require that. Yeah. We require <laughs> no, reading. Yeah, it's it's great. And, you know, once I, I kind of drill it in and then, you know, you know, just talking about ways of stimulating your thought process, like free writing and mm. mind maps and that type of thing. But also, it, it's funny because even the, in this current session, you know, my some of my students are asking me about failure and like mm. at what point, what's okay in regards to not getting things right. And what I explained to them, like even in the professional world, like no one gets it right the first time. They may not even get it right the fourth time, the fifth time. Mm. You know, it comes after, you, you have to understand like it's a process and don't be afraid to get feedback or you know for people to be critical of your work because that's how you improve and you know it's 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 understanding those things and to have like a, a balance of being able to hear what other people are saying and take that advice and apply it to your work then that's how you become better yeah um, wh where, where do you see yourself in three to five years? Where, where are the areas that you want to grow? Where do you see yourself going in terms of being an artist and a designer and an animator? You know, that's, uh, that's honestly one thing I've been trying to figure out myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm definitely always, I mean, it's difficult for me because for one, I, I kind of like doing everything. Yeah. Um, I've kind of grown up being able to take a project from actually conceptualizing it, designing it. Um, animating it, composite it, like yeah. to be deliver a, like a full project. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, for one, just trying to be more proficient in all these different aspects. You know, I've moved on to from After Effects to Nuke. I want to learn Houdini. Mm. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I want to be able to start giving more direction and leading projects, yeah. being more on the business side of it. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely thinking of being able to uh, branch out and probably start working with more clients and taking more leadership roles and you know working on that forefront yeah what are some of your uh, favorite projects that you've been a part of maybe in the last year or so mm. maybe, maybe we could link some of them up too on this on this post yeah absolutely um last well last project i just did was a euro cup um oh yeah i saw some of your behind the scene man I mean, just first of all, the Euro Cup has been awesome. I just can't stop watching. <laughs> the graphics package is is rad. Hats off to you and and whoever else worked on it. It's just super super nice. Yeah, you know, we had an amazing producer, Will Arnold, um, Jeremy Cox. Again, you know, who is one of the most talented people I've ever had the chance to meet. Yeah. You know, and Theo Daly, who was our art director. You know, they did an amazing job, just kind of directing the project, and you know bringing something different to sports packages. The whole idea of this, you know, 3D paint thing, I felt that was really different. So it was pretty fun to work on. It was definitely a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because I was like the main uh, 3D guy for a lot of it. Okay, <laughs> so you were working on like every transition and like full screen because... Yeah. I mean, even just watching the broadcast, I'm like thinking about all the different graphics moments, thinking like, damn, there's so many different, there's yeah. so many different moments that they're able to use these uh, in this package. 
Yeah, it was a it was actually a collaboration between Imaginary Forces and ESPN. So we kind of divvied up mm. the work, but we led the design, and we did um, a lot of the animation. And then ESPN also did a good bit of their uh, some of the uh, deliverables as well. Uh, the Dolby pre-show, I think, was a really of a good one that I'll be presenting at Seagraph. Um, reason mm. being. It was a very tight deadline. I think we had six weeks. Okay. I had to animate at least 50 seconds or minutes worth of animation at 4K. Oh, wow. And like this elaborate tree scene, you know, I had to, I animated the entire thing myself. There's so many moving parts to it. Um, mm. And it's all, you know, if it was CG, it might have been easier. It's the fact that it's just all made out of these procedural particles and growing lines that added the next mm. level of challenge that you know i felt pretty accomplished when we got the the job <laughs> nice. a lot of weekends and late nights but you know my buddy jason diaz and i director jens Bieber's, you know we, we had a good time with it but it turned out pretty well awesome yeah we'll put that one up too so you're gonna you're gonna do some demos on that at the next sigraph yeah um definitely it's gonna be a fun one cool um where, if, where is the next one I need to, uh, I should be up on that. I don't know. Yeah, Seagraph is going to be in California. I always mess up the okay. city it's in. Athenheim, I think. I probably butchered that, but um, it's where Disney World is, so. Okay, so somewhere in Southern California. Yes. Cool. Um, yeah. You know, another thing I was going to ask you about, that I, I like to ask this of some people, only if I've seen them be like somewhat vocal on the internet, like about politics or culture, which I totally love to get into. I do it way too often, but you know, what role do you think artists should play if, if any, in like affecting culture and politics and the, the essential conversations that I guess we're all having, you know, especially in our, our generation. Yeah. I think our role is pretty crucial to be honest. Um, because for one, I feel like we give a visual voice. Yeah. Um, like say yeah. for example, you know, we are able to communicate in a way that makes things interesting yeah. and easy to, to digest. I mean, technically that's our jobs. We're visual communicators, visual designers, and we have the ability to share a message that can have broad appeal with people, you know, and I think that's that's half our responsibility, not only making nice things, but making things that affect people's lives. You know, take, for example, when the terror attacks in Paris mm. happened, um, one of our scout professors, um, Dom, she organized all the students to make these little motion graphics pieces to, you know, express our gratitude and our thoughts, you know, to Paris. So yeah. it's like solidarity. It's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, also, you know, I think we also present a unique perspective um, on things going on. I think artists tend to be a little bit more mm. progressive and accepting of different things. And, you know, yeah. especially in the industry, you work with many different types of people from different walks of life. And, you know, I'm pretty sure lots of people can relate as well. But I still think, you know, artists has a voice in, you know, these issues that's that's going on yeah no absolutely yeah when you think about culture you know like i i, I cite kanye west as an example mm -hmm. you know he's like a a modern day uh, 
how should I, how should I say? <laughs> I don't want to say Walt Disney. <laughs> Walt, okay, okay. No, that's that's exactly how he would describe himself. Is as a like, modern Walt Disney? Yeah, I mean the way he kind of takes inspiration from things and kind of recreates it from yeah you know, for a contemporary generation and you know he he takes certain things and he makes them popular. Mm. And that affects culture, you know, like his clothing brand, you know, like he's taking like these uh, clothes that kind of looks like, in my opinion, somewhat hoboish, but, you know, people mm. look at this, these clothes in a whole new light. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that I agree with it, but it's the fact that he can do that and it affects how people look at certain things. Now you look at a shit that has holes in it and you could be like, wow, that it could be a dope thing, whereas five, six years ago, you yeah. just looked like a hobo. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting how cultural icons can define eras too. Like, you know, it was like David Bowie in the eighties or something. And like everyone's then wearing spandex and headbands and like, cause this dude's doing it and right. he's outside the box at first, but then yeah, four years later, it's like, oh yeah, that's how everyone who's cool is, is wearing it or, or dresses. So yeah, absolutely. Now that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Sakani, let's get to know you a little bit more. A little rapid fire, random questions here. Shoot, shoot. Uh, your favorite film of all time, movie. Ooh, that is so tough. Um, avid fan of the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um, sure. Let's it's say beer, beer, wine, or liquor. Ooh, okay, well, liquor, definitely liquor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, definitely liquor. Uh, what's your favorite food? Um, Dan, that's also a hard one because Trinidad and Tobago, we have so many. Um, probably a roti, which is like a. I, I tend to describe it as a curried burrito. Oh, what's uh, it called? <laughs> it's called a roti. A roti, okay. Yeah, it's it's like um. It's more like a, a burrito. It's a special type of wrap. <laughs> But it has like potato and chana and like all these oh. amazing things inside. Um, there's a Trinidad truck in front of our office and I eat it almost every week. Every okay. day. <laughs> nice. Love it. Love it. Okay, Sakani, that is, um, uh, what are we doing? About 30 minutes or so. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking some time. I just wanted to get to know you a little bit better, hear a little bit more of your your background again thank you for you know your commitment to the students in MoGraph Mentor um, you know I'll say it all the time you can have people that are excellent artists amazing designers um, but it takes a specific I don't know personality or character for people to be interested in teaching and have that patience and want to work with people who are aspiring and give them you know I know that MoGraph Mentor can be holistic too that there's the psychological side of it of these people are unsure and you're building confidence while you're building skills and it can be a tough it can be an exhausting I think exhausting is maybe a word you would potentially use sometimes at the end of a long session where you've been you know going for three hours and maybe longer mm -hmm. um, so I just really appreciate everything you've been willing to give um, to these students and, and to be a part of it and um, to just, you know, bring our quality up even more with, with people like yourself. So I just really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Michael, a lot for having me. And, uh, you know, not only on the podcast, but um, a part of MoGraph Mentor. Uh, the opportunity and the experience has been amazing. And you know, I recommend anyone who's a professional motion designer to, to do it if they had the chance. Um, it, makes, it makes me a better designer, a better animator, and I think... Mm. You know, as being in their position, I wish I kind of had that opportunity. 
Mm. So, you know, why not give someone the opportunity I wish I had when I was just kind of dipping my toes into this field? Yeah, absolutely. No, I love it. Um, well, I mean, that, that's a good pitch. I mean, we, we're going to need you to start, we're going to need you to start recruiting some more instructors. I'll need you oh. to, uh, start slipping notes to Jeremy Cox. Maybe we need to, oh, oh man, if you, if you got him, we need be... this guy's brain. We need this guy's <laughs> brain in the program. I often joke that he's, he's not human because he literally knows the answer to everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. His work is fantastic. Well, thank you, Sakani. And we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the MoGraph Mentor podcast. For more information about MoGraph Mentor, check out MoGraphMentor.com. Thanks for listening.